This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. Got a pretty special one today and one that I actually met a couple years ago down in Argentina. Uh, Brian Haywood and uh, Brian's been an outfitter down in Argentina for I mean a long not not too long Brian but a long time not to age you um, but but we've been pretty fortunate at WTA because we've uh, recently added Brian on our team as the uh, uh, OA consultant kind of specializing in uh, wing shooting um, obviously from Brian's vast history in the wing shooting has been a great addition to the team um, just to add to our uh, variety of offerings, I guess you could say. And Brian's fresh off a trip down to Sonora. He was hunting with uh, Muy Grande and did a SOA event down there for quail. Um, looking forward to talking on that one. That's that's one I was fortunate enough to do when I was doing the North American Upland Slam. I went down there for elegant quail and also hunted gambles quail. And, and I mean, hands down, in my opinion, that's the best wild quail hunting you can have in North America. So we'll we'll definitely touch on that. But how are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. Wonderful. So, so for everybody listening, where are you located right now? And right now I'm sitting on the Atlantic coast in, in, in Argentina, about four hours south of, of Buenos Aires. So, so any anybody that's called in the office, you're going to talk to Brian during our normal normal office hours, but Brian's actually set up to operate out of Argentina right now until until he makes his way uh makes his way north, the opposite of the snowbirds here. Yeah, that's exactly right. But but nonetheless, my uh, my phone rings like I'd be in in Sydney, Nebraska. Be happy to talk to anybody. Yep. So Brian, let's let's start with um, your history in the outdoor industry. How how did you get into it? I assume you grew up hunting. All right. So um, my dad was a, a a fisheries biologist for the DNR in Minnesota, and uh, moved up high into the ranks. Worked there for thirty five years. And he was always, um, you know, stalking the lakes at the end of the road up in Ely, Minnesota. And when he would stalk those lakes, we'd get into logging trails and things like that. And he'd be able to take my brother and I grouse and woodcock hunting um, and or duck hunting and all these exclusive places that he could get into just because he was working for the DNR. And and, uh, it started very early. Uh, After that, um, once we got... we're old enough to, to go shooting in, in, in Canada. He would take us out of school for, for a week every October and take us up to Tin Town on the Delta Marsh and uh, go duck hunting. So he was an avid, avid bird shooter. And I, I guess I just was born into that. And it was, uh, yeah, best thing that's ever happened. It's great. Now, did yeah. you big game hunt at all along, along that same time? No, I, I you know, I've, I've stuck basically to, to wing shooting my entire life. I've never really um, gotten into the, the, the big game world, which um, is probably a, a good thing for company wise, just because I can, I can really focus on, on the wing shooting side of everything because it's, it's really my passion is, is that. Yep. No, that's, that's great. So walk us through um, 
where you went to school. I mean, the real, the real big ones, how'd you end up in Argentina, right? That's that anybody that's listening is like, Hey, this guy yeah. grew up in Minnesota. And then all of a sudden he ended up in Argentina as an outfitter. How walk us through how that one happened. Sure. So I went to, to the university of Wisconsin. And when I was a junior, um, everybody wants to go, you know, abroad to, for a job and happened to get a call from, uh, another agent in the, in the industry that, um, we've known as a family friend and he asked if I wanted to go to Argentina for the summer to go work. And I said, yes. And then he told me that I'd be a duck guide. So <laughs> I said, even better. Mm-hmm. And so I, I flew down, uh, for three months. Um, and turns out when I got here, um, not only was I duck guiding, but I was basically managing the, the entire operation because I was the only one speaking English to, to all the, to all the clients. Um, so it was, it was kind of, you know, I got thrown into the deep end real quick and apparently had a, uh, I did something right. Cause they wanted me to come back and, and do it again the next year. And then that same company hired me, uh, up at, up at Burt Pine Plantation as a, as a quail guide. So I was doing three months in Argentina and nine months as a quail guide in, in, in Georgia for about three or four years. Okay. And then I met my wife and we decided we wanted to have a family. And so we need to decide uh, we need to pick one place to live because going back and forth to the States and having a family and doing all that stuff was, was going to be a little bit complicated. So we decided on Argentina and that's when I kind of took over the, the outfitting, the, the, the duck side of things, um, uh, for, uh, you know, running my own outfitting business for, for 20 years. It was great. Yeah. So on the, on the outfitting, what are some key, I mean, 20 years as a, as a waterfall outfitter in Argentina, I mean, you've seen a lot of hunters, you've been through a lot. What are, yeah. what are some of the things that you've learned from the clients through the years that when they're looking to go to Argentina or anywhere on a wing shooting trip, what do you, what are they looking for? Uh, most people are looking for, um, number one, a variety of species, I guess, because it's all new species compared to what it would be in the state. Uh, everybody's kind of looking to, to do that. Um, high volume, obviously it's a completely different animal. Yep. Um, just because in Argentina, you know, it, in the area where I worked as, as an outfitter for, for 20 some years, you know, it, there was probably me and one other guy within a, you know, 300 mile radius. And there's just no pressure on the birds. And mm-hmm. so the volume is a completely, completely different animal. And just the way, obviously, we, we were able to, to, to bait the birds as well with corn. Yep. So that helps an enormous amount. Um, but, you know, just they, people, when they come down, they want, they want somebody reputable, um, somebody they can relate to and somebody that um, they can trust, I guess, more than anything. Because it's a long way to, to, to fly down. Um, you know, to have a bust and luckily in my 20 years, I never had a bust on anybody. So no. it was just, uh, yeah, just, it's like I say, you can, you can, you can feed them, you can get different species and, and the pressure is just non-existent. I mean, it's, it's nothing like in the States where, you know, you're sitting, um, you know, across from people in the Bay and they're shooting at the same yep. birds that you are. That, that doesn't exist here. Yeah. So, I know when. So anybody that's listening, I may remember that I, I was down with Brian and got um, 98% of the birds that I needed in Argentina with Brian when we were down there in the area. 12 out of 13. 12 out of 13. 12 out of 13. I don't, me, man. I don't know what the exact percent is. That's why I said 98, but 12 out of 13, we got got to be pretty close to 98%. That's what I, that's what I said. Uh, oh. And the 13 kept me up at night for months. The 13th kept me up at night for months later. But luckily, they, you were able to do it. You, yep. you got out. Yep. So it, got it I would say the area we hunted was unlike anything I had ever duck hunted before, right? Like there were so, so, so many birds in the area. Um, and it, it reminded me of the Dakotas. Like it's the pothole region of Dakotas, that area. But the cool thing about Argentina, it's so big and vast. There are multiple areas that you can go to if you're looking for waterfall hunting, if you're looking for doves, if you're looking for pigeon. Like that's Argentina. With the, the first time I went there was was that year to, to wing shoot. Definitely won't be the last but just kind of break down Argentina. Anybody that's listening is looking for a wing shooting. Like, what are the the different things that you can go and do there, wing shooting wise? 
Yeah, so basically, with the, and you're completely right uh, comparing it to the prairie pothole region of, of, of the Dakotas, because that is basically just a, a stamp and then, you know, put it in the other hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And you're shooting June, July, and, and, and August, which is which is great for all those duck hunters that can't, you know, be hunting during the summer. But um, basically, you have up north, you're... you're doing mainly the the doves and the, and the pigeons so that's up in the Cordova region and there is a new area that we're with that we're uh, we're starting to promote now which is enter rios which is kind of in the middle um between so i'm down in the province of buenos aires where a lot of the duck hunting happens and cordoba's up in the, the doves hunt are up in cordoba so you it requires another flight from buenos aires up to cordoba but we have a new place now in Entre Rios where you could do both things at the same time. And and to be perfectly honest with you, the, the 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 volume of dove hunting is absolutely tremendous. He's got a bunch of roofs kind of right along the Paraná River. And, uh, you know, you could do the duck hunting in the morning and then the dove hunting in the afternoon, which is kind of a, a nice treat. And you don't have to get out on our flight. You just, just fly into Buenos Aires and drive two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a great combination. Great combination. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, what about pigeon hunting in Argentina? Pigeon hunting, uh, a lot of that. If, if you want to do the 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 kind of the decoyed pigeon hunting, a lot of that stuff is happening out in in either La Pampa or uh, we even have a place now. And to be perfectly honest with you, that that does a, a brilliant job in Uruguay. That's uh, doing a just pure pigeon and the, and the pigeon decoying hunt is a lot of fun because it, you know when you get ducks coming in they got their wings kind of bowed and when you get pigeons coming into to the decoys they got their wings back but it's the same type of you're on dry land but it's the same type of of, of decoying uh experience which is absolutely wonderful and big numbers big numbers big so, so you, you know so you 100 can... 120 pigeons in a, in, a, in a shoot you know oh wow yeah I mean, that's, yeah, those are real big numbers. Yeah. What yeah. about uh, people that are looking to Perdiz hunt in Argentina? So uh, basically there's a two or three kinds of Perdiz that you want to look at. So in it, as well, Entre Rios as well as Buenos Aires does have the, the common Tinamu and then the, the Colorado Tinamu, which they call the red Colorado Tinamu which is kind of the big one. Those are the two main species, all done behind, you know, pointing dogs, uh, very similar to something, uh, a quail hunt, but they do not covey, so they're in normally in pairs as, as you pull them up, and they fly fast. When they take off, They their first three, four, you know, wing beats just propel them extremely fast. Um, and you get a, you know, 20, 30 flushes in a, in a hunt, and, and, you know, you're lucky to come back with, with the 10 birds on those two. Mm-hmm. And then in, in the area of San Luis, there's a, an additional uh, type of, of Tinamu or, or Perdice that you can shoot, which is kind of the, they call it the Monte Perdice. And it's, it's down in these like lower mesquite kind of uh, brush. And, and that's a, that's a, a lot of fun too. They have a little bit more of a, a darker feather. So they're almost like a black feather on that on their wings and it's it's that's a lot of fun too and and, and those do i won't say covey up but you you see them more often in in groups um as opposed to pairs gotcha gotcha well anybody's mm-hmm. listening as you can tell um with brian on board are not only our south america wing shooting options at wta are going to be vast and and basically unlimited for what you're what you're looking to do um, we're, gr- we're growing it the same way all across all the continents, whether it be Europe, Africa, um, it's again, so many options for wing shooting in North America, whether it's waterfall or upland. Um, let's talk, let's talk about you. I mean, you were just down in Muy Grande, uh, with an SOA event for Bass Pro and Cabela's club card. Um, and I, yes, know, you, I know you guys did gamble and you also looked at a few other things. It's, it's slightly early down there for the waterfall hunting um, Brant probably aren't in yet, but let's just dig into your experience with quail because I, you've, you've got such a history in, in, uh, wing shooting. I want to see if it matches up with mine every time that I was down there. Okay. So you've, you've been around the world and, and seen everything. I wouldn't uh, say I everything. I, I've, I've seen yeah. some things. Yeah. 
I've I've guided quail a bunch. Um, uh, the Perdice hunting, the upland stuff, I know very well down here in Argentina. Um, I went up to to I, I went up. So for you guys down, I went up to Muy Grande uh-huh. to to see the operation and kind of meet Sergio and and, and Pedro. And obviously, they have all the doves you need that you want to shoot in yep. the morning and the afternoon. Mm-hmm. But what I was most impressed by was just the sheer numbers of gamble quail that are running around. I mean, literally at your feet while you're dove hunting, there's gamble quail running underneath you. And we took a couple of the of the SOA guys out uh, quail hunting. And I, they're also quick, but they got just the massive coveys. And, and you you know, they, they love to run. Oh, yeah. Gamble quail are well known for that. They like to run first. But when you can get them to to pop, it's it's got to be some of the best wild quail hunting in North America. I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I, I don't want to say that it is the best, but it's got to be up there. Then the numbers were just ridiculous. How it, many birds are around? It's a it's a I mean it's a bold statement, right? But after I experienced it a couple of times, <laughs> I hand, I hands down said it was the best wild quail hunting that there is in North America because of the yeah. no, there are a couple things that add into that, right? The areas that the birds are in, they're not very many predators, which is a big one. But the, but the big one is the only time that they get hunted is when Sergio and Pedro bring groups in there, which they limit it to only a few times a year. So you're you're that's where you get these giant coveys of forty and fifty birds, right? Limited pressure, good food, good weather, right? They don't have to worry about um, cold weather. The area that the birds are located in, there's a lot of irrigation from from the farming nearby, um, so the moisture's there in the area, and it just adds up to. I mean, it's it, every. So I hunted that area three times. the mm-hmm. The limit's ten, and each time I had ten within ninety minutes, and that was me hunting with two other people, and we all had our ten. So that's thirty birds in ninety minutes, three times. That that that's my experience of quail hunting that area. Well, yeah, and, and and that's probably how it how it should have been for us. But we, the, the, these birds fly a little bit faster than 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 bobwhite quail, so oh yeah, it took us a little bit longer. But nonetheless, and, and so the guys just kind of had to get used to 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 kind of the gamble quail too, yep. because they do run, and you gotta you gotta kind of keep up with them, you know, mm-hmm. and until they finally get to pop. But I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the the, the weather down there I, I probably should have realized it when i got there but they have deer outside every night you know on, on yep you know with fires and all that stuff because it, you know they're not worried about rain or anything like that you're in the sonoran desert right yep and and it i mean the food was excellent the people were wonderful military-like precision with their with their guides just uh they know exactly what they're doing they know exactly where they're going and uh it was it was the, the the gamble quail side of it was just spectacular. I yeah. was I was really impressed. I never I've never seen that many wild quail running around. No, it's 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 insane. Now I will put a caveat on my shooting. That was at the end. The elegant quail was the last species I needed to complete the North America upland slam. So it was twenty seven. Oh really? Species. It was. So I went I went down to Sonora, and the elegant quail um, was the last species I needed for it, and. I mean, we'll we'll talk about elegant quail there in a second, but we did we did elegant quail first, then went and did the gambles quail a couple of times, and yeah, to say that after four and a half straight months of upland hunting that I was pretty dialed with the Benelli at that yeah. point in time, I was yeah. I was pretty dialed in after four and a half months of having that shotgun in my hand every single day. So I, that, sure. I will add, I was, I was pretty dialed in. I had hunted every species of upland that there was in North America. If it ran, uh, I mean, I was, crazy. I was like, I look back, I was dialed at that point. Yeah. But I know, did, <laughs> did you get, did you get to go after elegant quail when you were down there? No, I didn't get, I went, we went and looked at a couple of the, the properties and, and Sergio was nice enough to explain to me very clearly how those, those birds were, work and apparently they like to run not only do they like to run they like to run uphill yep yep <laughs> exactly so we, we went out the first the first afternoon we went out over there and it was an we, we hunted an area to get gambles and elegant so it was this mix area um yeah. ended up getting a couple of gambles quail and 
had we had some elegant that were running and I I mean again they run straight uphill right so they, they're running yeah. uphill and you're trying to get them and then and then all of a sudden they're gone um, the next morning yeah. we went back and we've kind of focused in on a different area that was just elegant quail um, the land was managed a little bit different they had added a bunch of brush piles to give them areas for their coveys to to kind of live. Um, and that morning, I mean, we got, we got into a couple gambles. I think I shot three and dad shot two, um, the, or the elegant quail, the elegant quail are completely different than the, than the gambles though. It's one that you're not going to go out there and shoot 10. Um, right. It's a, it's a special, right. it's, it's more of a trophy. Yep, yeah. It's a, it's shooting a, shooting a big male elegant quail is, is a trophy, just one in hand. And it's one of those like, man, that, that is what you're going there for to get one of those elegant quail. Um, so I know how the guys do the packages down there at Mui Grande. If you book one of those quail hunts and looking, looking to really go and get that elegant quail, cause there's nowhere else you can go and get it wild is going down there, getting right. that elegant quail and then filling those days with, with probably the, with the, gam- with the gambles yeah. and some of the, the best wild quail hunting that you can do. But again, two different types of hunts. They both like to run, but those elegant quail are, I mean, they're tricky. I, I compare it to chuckers in a different way. Chuckers love to run, right? But they're on top of the mountain and, and do that stuff. These right. Elegant, you elegant. go down a little bit. These, girl, these, are, these guys are running up. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. These And they're they're runners, but I mean, just a, a gorgeous bird when you get one in the hand. So the way that it, Sergio explained it to me, and like you said, it's interesting that you add in the kind of the caveat of putting those brush piles in and things like that. So what, what he's trying to to do in a couple different places is basically get this pasture land, push these brush piles in and pasture land that's surrounded by very steep hills around them. Mm-hmm. And then even um, doing some, some, some feeding on them too. So when you get there to the brush piles and, and, you know, early in the morning, they're already feeding there. And so they don't even have a, a chance to, to, to get up to the hills. And that's where you can get kind of your trophy. And it yep. seems like he's got it real clear on, uh, a real clear path on how he wants to 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 do these moving forward, and that's a per that's a perfect approach, right? Like, again, these are these are a trophy bird. When you go in there, it's one that you could very easily, without that work that he's going to do down there, spend all day chasing these things all over the hillside. And it is right, right. Like, when you when you hunt them, you go early in the morning and late in the afternoon because the temps some of the times down there in the day get super hot. Um, yeah, so you really target them early and late. But it was no, it was a it was a wonderful experience. They really they really know what they're doing down there, and it's, it's uh, everybody will enjoy. It. And doves, each all the doves you want to shoot at. I mean, it's it's they they have just tons morning and 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 white winged doves. Just yeah, everything you want to shoot at. So and it's the, fantastic. The beauty about Sonora, right? It's not the long flight down to Argentina. Um, Argentina is going to have anybody's listening. Argentina is going to have more just for what it is. Um, mm-hmm. but it's one of those spots if you want to go out and I mean, you're, you're going to, when you get there in the morning, you're constantly shoot until you're done. And in the afternoon, you're going to constantly shoot until you're done. Um, and you just fly right into Hermosillo. The Muy Grande Lodge is, I mean, 40 minutes from the airport and you're there. Um, yeah. Rooms are, rooms are great. Everything's set up though. The waterfall hunting. I know I wish, I wish the Brant would have been in. I know they weren't when you were there. The Brant usually show up here probably another seven to 10 days. That brand yep. hunt that they do on the the beach down there, um, right across from Tiburon, was one of my favorite hunts that I've ever done for waterfall. I mean, you literally go to the beach, you dig a pit in the sand, dig right, a hole, right, yeah. right on yeah. the ocean. They put the the brand decoys are six, seven feet in front of you, and you're like, man, these are pretty tight. And those brant come, and you can see them off the ocean from a mile away, right? And they'll catch those decoys and just lock their wings and sail all the way wow. right, to, right to your feet. Very cool. Yeah, and again, I, I, I've seen I've seen videos on it, and it's it's absolutely it looks looks fascinating. Just because you're, I mean, you're digging holes. Yeah, on the beach. I, I mean, you're, right, you're, you're just you're level right, with them. You right know? on the beach, you're going to do that in the morning. You're gonna, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna do some shooting, and then you're gonna go and grab a great lunch in the in Kino Bay. Probably head back, catch a dove hunt in the afternoon. I mean, it's, it's like yeah. an awesome day. Is what that brand hunt? Yeah. It's just just super yeah. cool one that you'll remember forever. But going back to that, the, like you said, the convenience of it from the states. Uh, so they got a direct flight out of Phoenix, which most people are taking in. Yep. Uh, you're there at noon. You're having lunch at one, and you're out in the field at three. Yep. I mean, it's 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 just fantastic. 
yeah, it's it's a, it's a no brainer. There's no overnight flights. There's no you know you know it's just and and the the Hermosillo Airport is is basically a postage stamp. I mean it's it's you get it's very easy to get through. There's three gates. You yep. know, and the whole thing. And so it's not like having to go through Mexico City or, or having to move through a massive airport. It's just a little tiny airport. They know what everybody's going to do there. They run you quick through immigration and, and you're, you know, literally at the lodge an hour after you land. Yeah. So. No, it's awesome. I, I love that that experience of going there. I can't wait to get back back again. Yep. Um Let's talk about some of the other, I mean, we're obviously Brian's working all over the world. For anybody that's, that's listening, if you're looking for um, some of the stuff with Europe, right? We've got Roger over there with big game stuff and, and Rogers, I mean, opened a ton of doors just into things that haven't been done in Europe before. So um, Brian and Roger are working on opening up different wing shooting options that have never been opened before in Europe. Um, some yeah. of that, some of that stuff's awesome because you get to go over there and it's kind of a two for one. Like we've seen a lot on our big game hunters heading over there. Like when you go to Croatia, um, a lot of people are hunting for four or five days and then they're also staying there and doing tourist stuff for three or four days. Same, same type of thing all the way through Europe on the wing shooting side. Um, so that'll be fun. I mean, obviously North America has so many waterfall options, so many upland options, um, like they're just, it's really like an untapped of, of what WTA is going to be doing moving forward on the wing shooting side, guys that want to travel with dogs, um, use their own stuff. Like we're going to have, we're going to have those for you or guys like when you fly into, to Muy Grande down in Hermosillo, right? They've got the shotguns and shells waiting there. It's super simple. You just hop on the plane. You don't have to worry about any of that paperwork and you just rock and roll that afternoon. Yeah. Well, I mean, the same thing is kind of like, uh, Arkansas and, and uh, Kentucky as well. Arkansas for the for the waterfowl Joel and yep. and Kentucky with the quail. Kind of like you say, it's just you know, it's if you don't want to bring your guns and it's not going to be a big deal, then they got stuff waiting for you there. Yep, you're, you're ready to roll. Yep. So. Now what is uh, so this is? I mean, it's obviously been. It's a, it's a different world being an outfitter versus uh, being a consultant, right? The outfitter, you got your <laughs> place that you're trying to trying to do. And when you're a consultant, it kind of opens it up to, I'm not just selling one spot, I'm selling 300, right? Depending on what you want right. to do. I assume you, get yeah. call, I assume you get a call from anywhere from somebody that says, I want to go waterfall hunting in Arkansas. Like that specific or all the way from somebody that calls and said, hey, I want to bring my son and I, we want to go waterfall hunting. Where do you recommend? Now that just opened, right. that just opened it up like the whole gamut, right? Now you get to narrow it down. What type of what type of waterfall hunting do you like to do? Um, like when let's let's walk through. If somebody calls and gives you the vag of, hey, I want to bring my son waterfall hunting. Walk through how yeah, you kind, just, how uh, you kind of break it down. Yeah, I, so just got to find out exactly what they what they want to do, where they are, and what they've done. You know, that, that's kind of where you start, mm-hmm. and. Um, most of the time people, even when they say, you know, I just, in general, I'm thinking about doing a waterfall hunt like that. They got a pretty good idea of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And luckily we offer so just a wide range of, of options, whether it's, you know, the Saskatchewan stuff up in, in, uh, with Lance down to, to the waterfall stuff with, with, with Joel in, in Arkansas. It's just, finding out exactly what they want to do and, and just building out a trip exactly for them. That's mm. the whole point. I mean, it, people are going to have, they want to have, you know, a good experience. And luckily I, having been with the company for, for a very short time, I realized that all these outfitters that have been built into the system here, these are all high quality, mm-hmm. high quality, high level stuff. Mm-hmm. And they know how to treat people. They know how how uh, how to hunt. Number one, that's number one. But they also, you know, they 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 take care of the little details. The stays doing well. How we can help you getting into the airport. You know, just anything we can do to help. That's that's what we're here for. And and it's been a blast. I, I absolutely loved it. It's, and it, like you say, it's a big difference. Just to having focused on one single specific you know, destination for, for most of my career and opening it's up to just, you know, literally all of, uh, you know, Canada, 
well, North America and South America and, and, and just anywhere that anybody wants to go and being more than happy to, to, to help them build a, a trip of their dreams. That's what we're after, right? We yep. want to make people have a, have the best trip they can have. Exactly. Exactly. And it's one of those on the, on the owned outfitters that WTA has, like I learned very early on in the industry and Brian, and I know you've learned this, right? If as an outfitter, you can control the controllables, right? Was what yep. does that mean? It means arranging everything for, for your clients coming in, making sure that their trip, their travel, right? Even though you probably didn't arrange their travel for them, but when they land with you, that everything from that second's taken care of until they get to you, making sure yep. that you have great meals. Now that changes no matter where you're at, right? So if you're in Argentina, great meals are are just that. It's it's uh, it's a red meat, it's great wine, right. it's the sides, yep. it's the appetite, it's all, it's all that stuff. Now if you're whereas on a, Mexico is completely different. Yep. Mexico's a you know different cuisine whereas you know in north america also different cuisine yep. but um it's but that that's the like i said having worked for a short time with you guys and seeing all of the 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 places that are, are built into the system everything is is it just seems like everybody really knows exactly what they're doing and and exactly how things are, are supposed to be going and and just want to give the clients the best experience they can get yep yeah, you can, again, I go back. You control that controllable of making sure. Now you can't control the weather, right? As much as we want to, you you can't control the weather, and it's just as big a part of on a upland hunt or a wing shooting hunt that it is on a on an elk hunt, right? If you got nasty sure. weather, or you got you can't control that. Um, in South America, you guys could control the birds a little bit more by by the allowed baiting that you can do, but North America. It's a little bit different. It depends on the weather that pushes migration, down, the flights, yeah. migration, mm -hmm. so forth. Mm -hmm. um, but if you can control the controllables as far as everything else, that the clients will be happy and they understand the rest. And that's how you get such a high percent of repeat bookings everywhere is that the clients just love what they, they love the whole experience of coming back. And they're like, I want to do this every single year. <laughs> and that's what we want. That's, that's our goal. That's our goal yeah. is that is yeah. that they're so happy that they they want to keep coming back every single year. Yes, sir. So I know you're plan you're planning to to move up to the states, right? When are you planning to do that move? Ah, uh, well, you know, just uh, I got, I got uh, some uh, got a young daughter that's about to graduate this week from from high school. So we're we're kind of in a in a phase right now where we're trying to decide exactly what we're going to do. Okay. So we're, Kind of in the middle of that right now. Does she think in uh, college in the states? Uh, she's going to do her first year in 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 Buenos Aires, and then after that, I think she'll be up in the states. Yes. Okay. Well, it's quite a. Uh, now, is she going to continue to live with you when when she goes to college in Buenos Aires, or is she going to move? No, on? no, no, no. She's no. out. No, she'll she, that was the no, no. Yeah. She's gone. Yep. It was, <laughs> she's leaving. I, I love her to death, and, but she's. I think she's ready. I think she wants to go. Yep. Which is good. Yep. You know. Kids reach that age, and and uh, yeah, she's going to move up to Buenos Aires and and go to college there first, and then they have some programs that can help her get into to organize everything and and the culture change and everything yeah. that, that will be required to get to, to the U.S. So you I know. just had our oldest, my son Christian, graduated last year and and started at the University of Michigan this year. Um, cool. That's so a hard school to get into. It, it is. He got into their honors program, which we're super excited. But as part of the honors program, congratulations. He had yeah. to go to the second summer semester, which was a six week summer semester, and they use it as a bridge program. Um, okay. To bridge from high school to college, and like looking back, like he didn't like it at the time, right? Because it's taking six weeks of his summer away, senior year summer. But looking right. back at it now, it was great. Right. Because he got to meet people there. He got to he knew the campus before he just showed up as a freshman in the fall when there's everybody's there. Um, yeah. But we, we like we were always wondering, OK, when your kid leaves the house, how's the transition happen? How's uh, the transition? It's been it's been great. He's made a t he's made a ton of friends. He's transitioned. Mom took it pretty hard. Right. Mom. Mom. Yeah. Mom took it by far the hardest the first month. Um, yeah, but then he, I mean, it's to the point to where he, I mean, he's adjusted well, he came back for Thanksgiving and then, then you're like, oh, it's great to have him home. But then at the end you're already like, okay, the house is messy again. Yep. You still don't pick up after yourself or ready for you to take off again, go back to college. <laughs> so like that, but we're, I mean, we're looking forward to having him home for, for Christmas break. And it's just one of those, 
as a parent, right? You raise them and they're under your roof for so long and you get so concerned about, can you, can you let them out of the nest and are they going to fly? Um, it was one we, we got super lucky. We're happy that he went to school in state. It's three and a half hours away. If anything major happens so we can get there, but he, but he did very well. Yeah. I, so it's, it's, I think about it and I always say the same thing. Um, so we're coming up on our, her and her to, we're in a different hemisphere. So her graduation ceremony is, is coming up now in, in December on the, on the 16th. And just to be able to look at that graduation ceremony and, thinking back on the 15 years of, you know, driving her to school every single morning, yep. it's, 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 she's, she did everything. She studied the whole thing, but, uh, just, you know, mom, my, my wife and I just, uh, you know, putting in the time and it's, it's, it's amazing that they, they grow so fast. They grow so fast. Gosh, yep. I remember holding her like a baby. Yep. But anyway. Yep. And now the biggest transition now we, we still have kids in the house here, so it's not the empty nest feeling that, that, you guys will have, but the big, the big one will be, okay, now that the daughter that took so much of your time is out, it's the adjusting in the house now. Well, I got another daughter that's 13. Okay. So. There we go. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta deal with her too. Got another, <laughs> another five. So it, did you, right now, do your daughters go to school close by to you? Yeah. Yeah. We're close. We're about a, an eight minute drive. And, uh, the, the beauty of both my daughters is they, they, I mean, they're, they're very, uh, smart young women, uh, but both my wife and I are, are are bilingual. Therefore, my daughters are are not fluent in a second language. They're completely bilingual. I mean, they developed both English and Spanish, you know, mm-hmm. coming up in the house, and and uh, gives them a big advantage, I think, in the world oh, moving that's, forward. That's going to yeah. be such a huge advantage in today's world. No matter if they're yeah. if they're if they decide to stay in South America or if they they move up to North America, just being bilingual is, yeah. I mean, such a big advantage everywhere. Yeah, I'm a proud father. I, I I could gush and gush for hours here. I'm a very proud father. My my daughters are are, are absolute the, the absolutely amazing young women. That's awesome. So um, as you as you kind of look forward to to settling in. Where do you get the majority of your calls right now from clients calling to say they, they were looking at this for upland or this for wing shooting? Oh, great question. So I, it depends on the destination, I think. Okay. Uh, so a lot of people that are looking at Saskatchewan are from, from up north, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for going there. And a lot of people that are looking at, for example, uh, Arkansas or Kentucky are pretty local to, to the south there. Um, obviously in the industry, uh, Georgia, Florida, Carolinas, that's kind of Texas. Those would kind of be the big, big places where, where most people call from industry wise, Yep. just because there's so many hunters there. Um, but yeah, it would, it would definitely depend on the destination that they're interested in where they're calling from. Yeah. And this will be one of my, I'm going to ask the question. I want you to go back on both your outfitting history and then the calls that you've been getting. If you look at mm-hmm. waterfall and upland, what's the average age you think of people that are looking to do that? Oh, uh, okay. So I can tell you in, so I had over my 20 years, uh, outfitting down here, I had an enormous amount of repeat customers, mm-hmm. like 90% a year. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> it's a funny saying that, um, the average age of, of my clients was going up by one year a year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but having been doing this now and and getting different calls, I got a bunch of guys that are just kind of like the younger generation, the the second generation behind the dads, which is, which is very, um, that's like, that's great news for us. It's so because that's what we need. A hundred percent. But you know, I was interested to see what you would say. So, for anybody that's listening, you may not realize this, but waterfall hunting in North America is the fastest growing category of hunting. Yeah, I, I, it, I, don't, I, do, I don't doubt that for a second. And like I get asked why a lot of the time, right? So I kind of break it down. Obviously, deer hunting is the largest in North America as far as numbers mm-hmm. of people that do it. But if you look at mm-hmm. how it how it is right now, well, if you deer hunt, right? you're not with a, you're not sitting in a blind most of the time with a, with a buddy, or you're not in a tree stand with them. So it's a, it's a individual 
one if you're if you're hunting like that the majority of the time. There's camaraderie at camp, but a lot of the time it's an mm-hmm. individual thing that you do by yourself. So you sure. flip that over to waterfall hunting, right? And if you're going goose hunting, you're in the field with everybody. You're in the, you're field, the field, right? There. It's a it's a group yeah. of it's a group of two to four to six. To, I mean, you can have a lot, and there's yep. a lot of camaraderie that happens, right? So instead, oh, of guys, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, instead of guys going to a bar and hanging out or doing other stuff like that, they're like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do this. Yeah, we're waking up early in the morning. It's it's more healthy. We're gonna enjoy nature like that that type of thing. And they're like. And once you know how it is with waterfall hunting, once you do it once, it's like, oh my, oh my gosh, I I want to do this as much as I as much as I can, right? So you've got the camaraderie around it. Generally, it's not as expensive to get into as it is big game hunting, right? And right. with big game hunting just all over the all over the US, it's getting tougher to find leases if you're going the lease route. If you're hunting public land, there's more hunters in the public land now than there than there was in the past. Um, hunting's yeah. done different. My rifle shoots a lot farther. I can shoot farther than I did in the 90s. I can cover more ground. Um, so you, you look at that and you're like, okay, with waterfall hunting, there's a lot of public areas to go. And it's one of those things, one guy's not going to take up 250 circle yards, right? It's going to be six right. guys in that blind. And it's, yeah. it's a different versus if you go out with a group of six and you shoot two or three ducks versus if you go and sit for six days in a row and don't don't shoot a deer, right? If you go out right. and you only get two or three, you're not, it's not a bust, right? And truthfully, even you go on a morning and you you don't get anything. It's generally not a bust because you just spent four or five hours with a group of close friends. So right. you had you right. had a good time anyway. The cost to get into waterfall hunting, like if you just do field hunts, you got to buy some decoys and layout blinds. Or if you do water hunts, one of the, you got to you got to get somewhat of a boat to be able to do some things. But it's it's generally not the same cost as it is to get into big game hunting. That's why I look as why why is waterfall hunting the fastest category of of percentage wise growing in the U.S. And that's why it's just easier. And for this younger generation who who likes to be with other people, right? It's a chance to communicate all along the same way you can sit there in a blind and you can talk and talk and talk until all of a sudden you see ducks and you got to lock it down for a couple minutes. From my Upland Slam in 2019 to the South America Waterfall Slam in 2022, anytime I'm heading on a wing shooting adventure, I'm always picking up my Benelli shotgun. If you want to dominate the skies, shoot a Benelli. See their full line of Benelli shotguns online at BenelliUSA.com or drop into a retailer near you. Leupold offers the best optics in the game, bar none. I personally have their BX4 rangefinding binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've also got Mark V scopes on all my rifles. And don't forget, we've got some pretty awesome eyewear as well. For more information, visit Leupold.com. I travel all over the world and into some of the most remote places known. And for all of my adventure trip insurance, it is a must that I use Global Rescue to take care of me no matter where I am. When you book a trip with Worldwide Trophy Adventures, be sure to ask about Global Rescue Trip Insurance. They will be there when it matters the most. Yeah, and to, to prove your point, so a lot of these, the, the, the big waterfowl, guys that have been coming for, you know, years and years and years and years, uh, moving into their, you know, 60s and 70s are now bringing their 30 and 40 year old sons with them, you know, and that's and that's the groups that that I see uh, that will continue to grow because because the dad has put the time in to get the kid into the blind, uh, you know, over the years. And like you say, once once you start in on waterfowl, it's it, it's it's an addiction. Um, I, I call most of these guys fanatical, you yep. know, they just, they just, they get into it. And once they're into it, they just, they, they can't get enough of it. Uh, just like me, uh, I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, that, it, so it would make sense that that's, that's why it would be so big, uh, you know, kind of growth wise in the industry is because once people start in on it, uh, you know, they're in and they want to go every year yep. and, and it's not like going and shooting, you know, Maybe you go and, and, and shoot one, you know, trophy grizzly bear or something like yep. that, but you're not going to go every year and shoot a grizzly bear. But waterfowl, you're going to go 
every year. Yep, exactly. You, know? you find that yeah. you find that spot or a couple spots a year that you fall in love with and you go there and you know everything's taken care of and it's one that you know just yep. this is this is my 3 days that I go there every year. Or this is my week that I yep. go there and I go there every single year. I have I have a, a, I had a great group of mine that that has came with me all 20 years that I was down here, all 20 and some years that I was down here. And every single time they walked in the door, they would say, this is my favorite week of the year. This is my favorite week of the year. And that's, that's how, you know, people get into it. They, that's, they, they get addicted to it. And that's exactly what you wanted to hear though. Right? Like that means you're doing yeah. you as an outfitter, you were doing exactly what they wanted because you want those people that are like, this is, this is my vacation. This is my relaxation. This is what I work all year for to come here and experience. Yeah. It. Absolutely, absolutely. So when I no, it's a, it's a, the community is the 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 the, the waterfall community is it's so tight and like you yep. said, it, I mean just just to to be able to to experience the whole day with with your partners and things like that as as opposed to you know uh, just you know doing a, a like you say on your own hunt mm-hmm. and and being do it as a group all day uh, it makes a difference. It, yep. it, People really enjoy it. Yep. Well, just break down like in Argentina or, or Muy Grande down in Mexico or the Quail Lodge in, at Salt River, like all these things, right? So you go out, you don't, you, you go out and you hunt in the morning. Most of the time you take a break in the afternoon, right? So you get to relax, yeah. you eat a good meal, and then you go out again in the afternoon. So you get two of them during the day. But there's really yeah. like, and the, and the beauty about waterfall hunting compared to big game, the stress level for a hunter is not there. Right? Oh, yeah, it's I couldn't agree more. So much yeah. more relaxing yeah. than if you go on a big game. You have more game, chances. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you go on yeah. a big game elk hunt or something like that, like you may only get one chance during a week of right. hunting. And, you know, if it doesn't happy, happen early on in the hunt, the first two, three, four days, now all of a it's sudden, stressful. oh, towards yeah. the end, you're at your seven-day hunt, right? You're on day, end of day four. Okay, now into five. When you start to hit six and then that morning is seven, you're like, yikes. It's, it just, you can tell the pressure of hunters that are on sure. trips like that. But the waterfall one is like, well, I'm just, I mean, I'm going to shoot ducks. Does it matter? Like down in Argentina, does it, um, does it matter how many I shoot? If I shoot 10 extra in the morning or 10 extra in the afternoon, doesn't, right? Because I had a good time. And it, 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 I, I mean, this, the, the, the crew that I was just with down in, 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 in Muy Grande, uh, they shot all they wanted. Yep. Um, but it, had they not shot in half of that, they still would have been happy because they were just having a good time kind of, you know, <laughs> busting each other's chops yep. the whole time, you know, and, and, and just the, the, the camaraderie of it was, was absolutely fantastic. Oh, and that's so like I look back, everybody asks how I how did I how did I get started in, in wing shooting? Right. Like I and for the longest time when I was in the outdoor industry filming TV shows. Truthfully, for the mm. first six and a half years, the only wing shooting I showed was turkey hunts. And I only showed a limited number of those. For anybody that's listening, right. the reason why turkey hunts don't view very well on, on linear TV and just like anything, you're kind of you're kind of judged on your your viewing rates, right? Sure. So turkey hunts obviously don't because if like I like to say on TV, if you've seen one turkey get shot in the face, you've seen ten thousand turkeys get shot in the face, right? Like you can only watch them coming <laughs> and gobbling so many times. Upland and Waterfall at that point in time, the viewership on linear TV for those was was not very good. One, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't filmed very good. Guys didn't didn't get very creative with it. Angles on waterfall hunts, the camera guy was always super far back. So you could see the shooter and the the duck look like a little speck in the distance. Like you, right. you couldn't get no, the that's true. you couldn't yeah. get the feel of them working. You couldn't get the like there was just a lot that wasn't there. So, and I, I, I loved it. I grew up, I grew up following my dad. And at that time he had English setters and then we moved to German short hairs and now we're on to Brittany's. But we, like, I remember following him when I could barely walk through Northern Michigan after Woodcock and Grouse. That's just what. That's that, the same thing I did. What that, that's the first, first bird yeah. I ever shot was unbelievably enough was a grouse. I, I mean, okay. and I, I mean, First, first bird I shot was a grouse here where I, we still own family property there. It's where I deer hunt all the time. It was on a old log road that I drive on every time I enter the property. And it has to be nine out of 10 times that I hit that road. I can still see that grouse fall right where yeah, it did. Absolutely. Like that, like, yeah. like that was, that's, that's what got me the excitement. It was really watching the dogs. 
Um, and it kind of grew through that to waterfall hunting, right? Like then, then all of a sudden when, before I got into the hunting industry, my one big trip would be, we'd go out to North Dakota every year. And the beauty about North Dakota is you don't know what you're going to get into every day. Sometimes the, yeah. the flight of ducks are in, that means you're going to focus on the ducks. Sometimes the geese are in, that means you're going to focus on the geese. If none of those are in, you're going to go after pheasants, sharp tails, huns. Like there's so much. So you just go over there. Yeah. I remember certain days we'd shoot five species in a day, right? Like you'd, you'd yeah. get waterfall, you get upland, like you'd, you'd do all that stuff. You'd limit on pheasants. Some days you'd limit on ducks. And it's just great because, again, you could go out one day and you'd shoot one pheasant and that's it. And you'd be happy that day. That just meant you had to clean and the that's, last, that, right? That's the same thing I was doing with my dad up in Manitoba in, in Tintown. Yep. Just the same. I mean, it just, you're, you're repeating my memories. <laughs> so, so like, you, you don't know, you don't know what it's going to be like, but dad is taking me up there for a week and we're going. Exactly. So, and it's just so, it's and, so much and, fun. And, let's go and have fun. It's so, yeah. it's so much fun. And does it like, I looked at it on those days, like, okay, you're, you're hunting hard and you get one pheasant and you're like, ah, I wish I would have got more. But then you go back and you start cleaning. And you're like, man, it's pretty nice only having one pheasant tonight, right? Like yeah, the, day, the days true, where you God, limit on I pheasants and you get into the Burning the duck feathers off in the garage when we got home. I'm like, God. Yep. Yep. That's kind of how yeah. I, like, that's how I got hooked to it. So when it, go, when yeah. it comes to filming, I was always big game, and especially international, because there weren't many guys doing that. So you need to make your own right. little niche. When like I look at, it, I, they had to throw me out of the nest, right? Am I going to fly? And when I when I started to fly, it was big game, a lot of international hunts. I mm-hmm. finally got far enough ahead in my filming of that to where I could do the North America Upland Slam and and devote a whole fall to it. Now I still did a couple of. Um, big game hunts through there. Somehow my wife stayed with me through the whole thing because I was gone I mean, a lot. And she's a saint for dealing, dealing with me being gone that much. But what yeah. that, what that kind of did doing the Upland slam is it kind of opened up. It got really creative on, on my team on what we can show. And as you can tell, each one of these slams, we just get super creative on showing things in the field. Like when we were down yeah. with you in Argentina to have two guys in the field, one focused on the over the shoulder in the blind, and then one guy just yep. with a long lens covered up in the grass. Landscaper. Yep. Yeah. And that's where yep. you can get those shots of you see the the ducks come in and they start to set and you get the slow motion of the wings coming down. And and that stuff was never there three, four years ago. Right. Like we, I agree with we, you. We started, I can agree more. Like I like our our guys in the field, not me, our guys in the field got super creative with it and started changing the way that waterfall and upland stuff was filmed on the storytelling and, and that. And I think people like to see the different areas, right? Like everybody on the upland side, up until I I did that that slam, okay, you would see pheasants, right? You would yeah. occasionally see a grouse hunt and a woodcock hunt, but you've you've hunted them enough. You can't really see yeah. a grouse on film. Like yeah, it's, it's like tough. I heard it and I shot yeah. and I saw it fall. Like that's a grouse hunter. Like a grouse hunter in northern that's Michigan, exactly right. Minnesota, Manitoba, like it's thick and you're like, man, the, the you bring people out there the first time and I'm like, why didn't you shoot? They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you heard when it. When would you, I shoot? And you yeah, saw, right. and you saw a flash. I'm like, you're not going to get a shot better than that. Like that was a give me shot right there and they're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, that was I mean, you okay, you'll get you'll get used to it. You hear that flush, you better be game on, buddy. And the woodcock are even worse. Oh, the woodcock. Slowest, slowest flying game bird that there is in North America. And it might it just the the way that they move when they get up there, it'll it'll be yeah. like, man, I got him and you go to squeeze the trigger and he went five feet to the right. And you're like, what just happened there? <laughs> but yeah, so it was anyway, back back to that. So it was filming, like how like all of a sudden now. I've kind of changed to be known as as the the slam wing shooting. Now he kind of does everything, and that's how I wanted to be known. Because I that when, yeah. before I got in the industry, that's what I did. I big game hunted, I upland hunted, I waterfall hunted, I did it all. And I don't like I, I tell everybody I don't like to be put into a box when I'm somebody that does everything. Like I'm I'm, right. I'm what I consider the majority of hunters out there that are going to go turkey hunting in the spring. They're going to go deer hunting. They're going to go on right, a few depending waterfall. depending on the season. Yep, they're yeah. going to they're gonna go out. If their buddy's got a dog, they're going to go chase some grouse, right? They're, if, they're, if they're out west, they're going to go mule deer hunting. They're going to chase pheasants. They're going to hunt the rivers for ducks. They're going to catch geese when they come in. Like that's I'm, I want to be that. I want to be that guy because that's what I love doing. I love deer hunting. Yeah. I also love to go chase grouse. I can do both in the same day. Like that, yeah, I, totally. I, I, I love doing that. Um, but I really, like, I go back, like, 
and I'll let everybody know here. I didn't, I hadn't told anybody what my plans were. I, I kept hinting that there was one more slam coming. Um, yeah. except you're, you're, you're the integral part of, of planning this whole thing out here. We're um, working on it. Yep, yeah. The last, the last slam that I'm going to do on the wing shooting side, um, Brian's helping me plan out the South American Upland Slam. So I don't, I don't, yep. Brian, I mean, you, Matt, and you helped me get the waterfall one down in South America. We're going to get the. Probably going to do this one too. Yep. We're, we're going to do this one. We're going to this one. Yep. We're gonna go to some cool spots, the areas I haven't been. I'm going to go to Bolivia, Uruguay, um, yep. obviously back down to Argentina, um, Peru again. They're going to be, I mean, there's some cool stuff that we got planned for this one. Um, and I see this as a nice cap for the slam. I mean, it started with the North American Upland Slam. Um, they did the North America Waterfall Slam, which for anybody that's listening. So you did the Upland You did the upland first? I did the Upland first. That was my first slam. Um, okay. And that okay. one, so I tell everybody on the Upland Slam, it was tough. But when you're mm-hmm. Upland hunting, if you're in the area where the birds are, it's just a matter of time, right? You just got to right. be there enough days. You got to put yourself in the right circumstances. The hardest slam I ever did was the North American waterfall slam because it always felt like I was a day behind everywhere when the migration just left. If I rolled into one more area and heard somebody say, man, you should have been here two days ago. How do I get in front of this weather front that keeps pushing these birds down? So that was <laughs> that was a grind of early mornings, long travel in planes, cars, trucks, trains i mean i was one of those you just name it I, at some point in time i was in the middle of a night moving from one spot to another to get up at three o'clock to go waterfall hunting that next day that well, was did you end up in you ended up in in, in greenland greenland with, to complete it so, I, so the, like the, yeah the last one that was left i shot cinnamon teal down in uh sinaloa and mm-hmm. that was so after that i needed a king eider and they did not open saint paul island because it was in the middle of covid so right. we, we got special clearance to go into Greenland during the middle of COVID. We were the first non-Greenlanders to be able to go into Greenland to over, to film it. And, but, but they looked at it from a tourism standpoint. And if you look at what WTA does now as far as King Eiders into Greenland, for Greenland, yeah. it worked, right? We made Greenland the destination that it should have been. A destination. All, all, that it should yeah. have been all along for King Eiders because it's the la- I tell everybody it's the last frontier of waterfall hunting. I just talked to somebody yesterday about it. And he's like, I really don't, I'm not a waterfall hunter. Like I waterfall hunt some, but I just want to go and experience King Eider hunting in Greenland. The I'm adventure. Like, yeah. I'm like, well, you yeah. picked the right spot to go and do it because you big game hunt yeah. a lot. And this is, this is the pinnacle of waterfall hunting in North America is holding that King Eider in your hand. And you're going to go to Greenland and you're going to love every second of it because of the culture, the people, where you're going to go and, and what you're going to do to right. get that King. Um, but yeah, that yeah. waterfall hunting was by far the toughest um, in North America. Then after that, um, we, we pivoted and did the, the South America waterfall slam with you guys, which was fun. And I tell you what, it's just a lot more relaxing down in South America waterfall hunting. Cause I know I'm coming back to a good lunch. I'm going yeah. to catch yeah. a little, I'm probably going to catch some wine somewhere across the day. Um, <laughs> followed that one up with, with last year we did the New Zealand wing shooting slam, which was by far the most diverse one we did, right? It was black swans to pheasants. Um, I mean, to quail, wow. to pukekos, to turkey, any, any, anywhere in between, and a greenhead, and Canadian geese. Like, anywhere in between, um, that was probably one of the most diverse ones. Again, fun, and, and I look at it and saying, okay, how are we going to complete these slams? It's wrapping up the South America one with Upland. Um, but that's not, that's not going to be the end of me wing shooting on, on TV. What that is is that's a transition of going the slam route into we're going to tell some darn cool stories moving forward, right? Yeah. The sand grouse really migration neat. in Africa, Capricorn cool. in Europe, like that. Yeah. I, and, and I want to go back snowcock hunting in Nevada, but tell the story, right? Not just go there for the species. I want to tell the, tell the, tell the story of how they got there. I want to talk to other hunters that come there every year for them. Like that's the, those are the types of wing shooting things that I'm going to be doing moving forward. But we got one more slam to get out of the way, and that's that's the South America one. And anybody that hasn't traveled to South America hunting, you you got to go. I love it. I love the culture. I love the I love the atmosphere down there. It's one I'm looking forward to. The pace, the pace too. Oh, yeah. The pace of of the hunt is just it's different. Yep. It's uh you know they they, they treat you well. Yep. They treat you well. They treat you like a king when you're here, and and uh, good food, and like you say, good wine every once in a while. 
And it's oh yeah, I mean, listen, I'm a big wine guy. Anybody that knows me knows I love I love a good glass of red wine and I love a Malbec too. So I mean, Argentina, mm-hmm. Argentina is it. But I also yeah. I love to have new experiences. So being able to travel to Uruguay and Bolivia are new places that I haven't gone to yet, and looking forward to that. Peru is so crazy in Peru. I mean, so crazy. Did that as part of the the South American waterfall slam hunting up the high. waterfall side of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that that's one we're getting set up as well. How did you handle the the, the elevation? Did did that get to you guys? So if you do it, just like I mean, you've known me long enough, right? It seems like I'm always under a time crunch. Wherever I go, I've only mm-hmm. got I've only got so much time because I've got such a busy schedule. So it was one that right. we waterfall hunted along the coast. And Peru's got ph- phenomenal waterfall hunting along the coast. I mean, you're going to shoot so many cinnamon teal along the coast, you're not even going to know what to do with yourself. And I, lo- I like really? I, I'm just a cinnamon teal guy, right? Like, it, it, like yeah. if I see a red red drake cinnamon teal, I'm going to drop every other bird that's around there and just focus on that one. Um, yeah. But that we did that along the coast, and then we moved up into the mountains. And you try to do everything in the mountains in a day or two, just so you don't have to stay up in that elevation. But the problem is we rushed it from sea level up to 14,500 oh. feet. So oh. we, we try to get out of there. The uh, Angelo tries to get everybody out of there in a couple hours. Then you don't feel anything, right? You go up, you hunt these lakes, right. you get in and out. Now we were pushing it because I needed all the species up there. Most of his guys aren't like me and crazy and needing everything that's up there. So we pushed it a little too much that first day and drove a little bit farther. And, and one of my, I mean, we all got altitude sickness. So we got down uh-huh. off, we got down off the hill, um, late that night and we definitely got it, but we, we stayed at his cabin, which is right around 8,000 feet elevation. So we're out of it. Your body's got good for the next morning. Oxygen uh, again. Yep. Right. Yep. My yeah. dad wanted no part of going back up on that hill. So he stayed, got everything packed up, but me and the camera <laughs> guys went back up there and, and, uh, got our ruddy duck, which was the last one we needed. Um, got that up on the Hills, but it's just so unique. I mean, where else can you waterfall hunt at 14,500 feet? I don't think there's any other there, place. There's the nowhere else, right? It's so unique. And and like we hunted right outside of a village that's up there and, and you get the people from the village coming in and they think it's the most unique thing that there's somebody that comes to waterfall hunt there. Oh, like, cool. but like that, that's, that's why I talk about. Like, I'm so fortunate that I get to travel the world and do the things and, and see and experience places like that. Um, now well, the, and, and it's, it's impressive the, the passion that you have towards it. Yeah. To be perfectly honest with you. It's, it's, it's uh, there's I, nobody I know in the world that has that type of passion. I mean, I know a lot of people that like to go wing shooting, but your passion for it and your, your expertise on it, it's, it's fascinating. Now at the time, right now, when you're getting altitude sickness, you're not feeling really well, you start to question yourself. You're like, what am I, <laughs> what am I doing? I like tell everybody, it's like, it's like bighorn hunting in Alberta. While you're there, you're questioning every decision you've ever made in your life to bring you to this moment that you're sitting here in Alberta looking for a bighorn, which seems like a needle in a haystack. And then you get done with that hunt and you let a week go by and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, yeah, I'd do that again. Completely, completely go past all of the pain and suffering that the hunt was. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that again. Yep. I'll do that again. Yeah, the reward. Yep. The reward. But no, as part of that, we're going to head back to, um, Peru get a get a tenemu that's up again high in the Andes again right only only one spot to get that sucker and it's up high um, this time it's I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm gonna be well prepared before we make that trek up there again so yeah that one yeah, you're gonna do walking on that one I imagine yep yep but no that one I'll be ready so there it is the cat's out of the bag for anybody that's listening the last slam that we've got planned for 2024 the South America Upland Slam. Um, it'll be extreme differences from the high elevations of Peru to looking forward to Perdiz hunting in Argentina. That's the yeah. We yeah. just need to make sure we get you know just, we're going to get everything organized. We can get you set up. Uh, definitely need to do to to pair it with Uruguay and Bolivia when you're down here, so we can make everything work uh, like clockwork, and you can you can kind of move through them rather quickly. Hopefully, yep. Well, that's perfect. Well, awesome, Brian. I mean, we're. As you probably heard from everybody, we're excited to have you on the team at WTA. I couldn't think of a a, a better person in the industry or, or anybody to to kind of take the baton and lead the WTA wing shooting side. Well, I'm I'm absolutely blessed, and uh, the way that this was all explained to me at the beginning was to just kind of make our our wing shooting side of things grow 
and uh, I, I couldn't be more honored to, to be here. I'm having a blast. Uh, it's a it's a whole nother world, but nonetheless, it is is something I'm really getting into and and, and really am really enjoying. It, to be awesome. perfectly honest with you. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thanks for your time today. We're going to do this again after a couple more months goes by and, and let you settle into that seat a little bit more, get guys booked all over the world, and then follow up once they get done with some of those trips hearing on them. Wonderful. Thanks so much for talking to me today. Yep. Have a great day, Brian. Have a good one. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.